family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and there tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. To quote JZ, your boy back in the building, Canada, we back on the map. This is Tim and Friends from One Mount Pleasant, somewhere between downtown and midtown Toronto. Ron McLean and I have to sort that out. Uh, Jay's season begins with a bang. Raptors regular season ends with a tasty matchup. The Masters begins and ends. And did the Hart Trophy conversation just end? All this up for discussion in this Monday edition of Tim and Friends. With me, Timothy, is the one and only Jesse Rubinoff over there. Did you enjoy sitting at the the luxurious confines of the grand desk over here? Yeah, yeah, it was it was comfortable over there. Do you want to uh, switch for the opening segment? No, no, that's okay. You sure? Yeah, I got too much going on over here. If we, yeah, I gotta get you. I, I, get you, I just yeah. like, it would take up too much time for me to bring everything over there. But I appreciate the offer. One day, Missed maybe you, in the actually. summer, yeah, when it gets a little slower, we should uh, we should we'll switch swap, so switch you, roles. You get the vantage point from over here. Yeah, I, I understand. What it is it's a like different angle. At, yeah. Have you ever been in this area of the yeah, studio? All the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. All Do right. you remember when there was a show? It was called Tim and Sid before you joined. <laughs> I, and we I know, had a set but this is like a quarter. This is where like a we quarter. sat and talked to guests all the time. Like, That's I don't know. Fair. I know you didn't watch before you were on the show, <laughs> but we did do a bunch of stuff from over there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, did you have fun on Friday? I did have fun on Friday. Did you have yeah. fun on Friday? I had fun on Friday. I, uh, I it's bounced. Good to be back, though. It's good to have you back. I bounced. You bounced? I watched the game. Really? Yeah, I went home. I went and saw a couple of people that are around, my cousin, Christy, the family, they're all there. Right. And then it was, like, so busy, and there were 45,000, and I didn't feel like trudging up. I thought, you know what, I'll be home by the second inning. I'll be good. They didn't kick you out? You, you elected to leave? <laughs> they were like, oh, those interviews, got, they go well. I got hammered, and they just out. kicked me out <laughs> for being too inebriated. Oh, good. Coming to you live and direct from the Sportsnet studios, hit us up at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. Jesse Rubinoff has you covered. Arden Zwelling, Kelly Rudy. And Will Liu will help us tell the stories of the days we take you to both Hockey and Blue Jays Central at 6.30 Eastern on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Listen, here's how it'll work. We'll continue on Sportsnet 360 for the final half hour until 7 Eastern. And just to pull back the curtain a little, we'll be up against the Jays and Hockey for the final half hour of the show for the next three days. So we decided, I mean, because we have the versatility to pull it off, you know what I'm talking about. To go basketball heavy in that final half hour. So, listen, regular fun and frivolity of the show, but trying to give you as many options as you possibly can get. So at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 in Coquitlam, Hockey Central on Sportsnet, Blue Jay Central on Sportsnet 1, and we're talking basketball on Sportsnet 360. I think I got it. Just so you can say, hey, you guys got 34 channels and they're all showing the same thing. No, no. Today at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 in Burnaby, We'll be showing three different things. So, a bunch of different stuff going on. Some speculation that Carey Price would play. Not today, botch. At least not till later. So much to get to. I'll shut up and let Jesse and Biggie take over with first things first. So, let's get to the start. Iron Mike Sharp. Nice. First things first. first. Well, um, the reason uh, you were at the Rogers Center on Friday was because the Toronto Blue Jays season started. 
They open a four-game series in the Bronx tonight in what will be their second series after taking two of three from the Rangers. The Jays opened with a dramatic comeback win on Friday, and it looked like they were well on their way to their first 3-0 start since 1996 before blowing a 6-1 lead on Sunday. The Rangers with 11 unanswered runs. But what did you think about the opening weekend as a whole, Tim? I thought I was just down there to hang out with Buck Martinez. Thanks for filling me in. I mean, we just chilled on the field for a while. But uh, thank you for making sure that I knew that I was there for opening day yeah. and the incredible weekend that was in baseball. I just, my takeaway is, man, did I miss baseball. Yeah. Like, the whole no clock, all you need is an out and you got a shot. That all kind of played it. Like, I'm not sure if you remember how we opened the show on Friday, but I did this whole opening day, the day that hope springs eternal. The hope is that spring and summer will follow, yada, yada, yada. The Jays are once again hoping that they are at top, the American League East and all that Hope played out in one bleeping game. Like, that was my biggest takeaway, that I missed the schedule of 162 because we had that craziness on Friday night, and then you woke up the next day, and there it was in the afternoon again. And the unpredictability of the marathon that is Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, the Jays come back from 7 nothing down to win 10-8. It is the third largest opening day comeback since 1901. Past that. Where do you want me on this? Like, do you want to talk opening day? Do you want to talk about the bats? Do you want to talk about the pitching? Jesse, you speak for the audience and yourself. Where would you like to go next? I honestly believe that it, it is almost too early, as we had up on the marquee. It's, it's almost too early to talk about the offense and the pitching. So I want to focus on the atmosphere. But it, it's, it's, it's not too early, right? Like, you're allowed. They, they missed the playoffs by one game. Yes. Last year. Yes. So wins, it's never... I, like, I get the it's early, these are small sample size, don't make judgments on the team. That's ridiculous. But you need the wins. Like, you're not oh, – it's yeah, early yeah. is ridiculous when it comes to wins after last year when you missed the postseason by one game. Yeah, no, no, no. My point is more uh, – I think it's too early to look at, for example, Jose Barrios and get concerned and right. Hinjin Ryu and get concerned about that. And, and the offense was pretty much exactly what we expected. You, you don't think that you can look at Hinjin Ryu and say – Last year he struggled, and is this a sign of things to come? And maybe his best years are behind him. It's possible, but I mean, it's one start. You need a little bit more of a sample size. Well, I but think, isn't to, to the sample concerned. size last year and one start from this year? Well, they work on their they work on their games during the off season. They had, he came into the camp a little bit, and I think in better shape, and some better things were expected of him. And yes, obviously he struggled near the back half of last year, but I think it's one game. Can you tell how Hyunjin Ryu comes into camp? Can I tell? Uh, I don't know. I no. Spoke to people down there? Yeah. Understood. Yes, exactly. Um, but as a whole, I think that there was a combination of the Jays not playing at home for forever, what it seemed like, and then the expectations that the team is going to be great, and you put those two together in a pot, and it turns into something magical and that's what we got on Friday, Saturday and Sunday that the crowd was unbelievable the new scoreboard was amazing the light show when Jordan Romano comes into the game was great so that was the takeaway for me it was that you said baseball is back we got to witness it in Toronto and that's something that we hadn't had for a very long time it was great to see yeah I often think that uh, sometimes the hyperbole of the media going into things like home openers or first game of the postseason the crowd's going to be magical. Like, all of the stuff that you hear going into it is kind of sort of horse bleep. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on Friday. 
the players knew it. Like, I, I spoke to both Vladdy and George Springer off air, even, you know, as if that's any different from the way they would speak on air. But they were legitimately jacked to be playing in front of 45,000 yeah. people at home because they really haven't done it, right? Like, this is, to have a home opener like this, they, they definitely felt it. They wanted to put on a show. And when it was 7 nothing, it felt like they had fallen flat. And there were a lot of people doing the old, I can't believe they fell flat like this, only to see them respond the way totally. they did. So it was very cool, and it was there were definitely good vibes, even though they blew the lead on Sunday. Like, it was a good vibes weekend for the Toronto mm-hmm. Blue Jays and their fan base who piled in there once again and hopefully had some fun. You know what was also really cool? The umpires having to relay the official call to the fans. That added something, I thought. So you're all in on the Jordan Romano WWE entrance. Do you want to see sure. more guys? Do you want to hear Broken Glass or The Undertaker's <laughs> Bell? I remember BJ Ryan. a guy B- walk in. BJ Ryan's was pretty good. Like a lot of flames coming up from the video boards in uh, right field and left field. Like it, I, I'm, I'm in on the closers having some yeah, sort I don't of know extravagant. If, if you're trying to sell something that you go back to bj ryan <laughs> you remember how hyped he was and they, i mean they tried they tried really Mariano hard to Rivera, make it. yes, yes. Yeah. bj ryan sure. as a toronto blue jay yeah. i don't know if that's the sell but i'm in i liked it i thought it was enjoyable and the umpire is saying it to the crowd i think that was just the situation because it was a like i think you'll get bored of that Two games in, but the situation of having Teoscar Hernandez take the lead, the crowd explodes, Teoscar explodes. Like, I don't know how often you're going to get that. (laughs) You're right. Out of a (laughs) review. Yeah, you're right. I love when the camera shakes at Roger Center. That's like, very rarely do I notice that in other places, but when the crowd really goes crazy with 40,000 strong, you can see the camera shaking on the You just saw the ratings pop in, too. Like, it felt like a big day. If the Toronto Blue Jays somehow maneuver their way, and listen, they're right back at it. Like, there is no rest in this. Four nope. games, Yankee Stadium, they're playing tonight. Alec Manoa is going against Jameson Tyon tonight. Um, there's the 30 games and 31 days. If they somehow pull out of this stretch by winning 16, 17, 18 out of those 30 games, like, look out for the hype train. It is going to be like the bandwagon will fill up in a hurry because that's what things do around this city. They they kind of seem to be a little slow to start, but once they start, look to bleep out. And it feels like there's that momentum around this, Jason. Definitely. Uh, excited for the game tonight. Arden Zwelling with a, some breaking news in the last little while. Uh, Danny Jansen's experiencing left side soreness. He picked up on a swing this weekend. Uh, he's being evaluated to determine whether he can play tonight against the Yankees or not. Blue Jays currently have both Alejandro Kirk and Zach Collins uh, in the lineup. That's too bad because that was a good start for Danny Jansen. He was hitting the ball hard. Hard. He's he's hit the ball at every stop along the way except for the major leagues. And you wondered if maybe in this crazy lineup that the Jays are going to trot out there every day and or night that he might be able to get some pitches down in the order and do what he did on the weekend. So it's a tough break for Danny Jansen who – got to be feeling the heat with not only Alejandro Kirk, but Gabby Moreno in the system. Yes, definitely. Arden's Welling coming up uh, a little bit later in the show, but for now we turn our attention to the Toronto Raptors who will face the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs. It's the third time 
These two teams have met in the postseason. Both of the previous series went to seven games and came down to the final shot. The Raps lost Pretty to the Knicks shots too. on Sunday with Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet resting. But prior to that, they had won 14 of their last 17 games. So this seems to be the matchup that many Raptors fans wanted. Tim, do you like their chances against Philly? The Toronto Raptors have no business winning around this year. But they had no business being fifth, and yet here we are. If they win a round, it'll be out of sheer will and determination, which isn't out of the question. But if I'm Philly and this Raptor team beats me after all that process that that team went through to go and get their MVP candidate and Joel Embiid and James Harden, if this Toronto Raptors team that had one year of tanking in a city that wasn't their own, I'm ashamed. Like, it proves that the Toronto franchise is smarter and it proves that the Toronto Raptor players work harder than ours. And that's not only damning, it's rumored to be true in Philadelphia. So listen, like I looked at all three matchups that the Raptors could have ended up with. Mm-hmm. And let's be fair, they would have been dogs in all of them. But there is this residue that is left over from not only the culture, but the championship. And you never underestimate the heart of a champion. And there are a lot of folks that look at the Sixers and think, Listen, Joel Embiid has sought. The, the Raptors don't have anyone over 6'9". How the hell are they going to match up with this guy? He should dominate. There was a game earlier this year where the Raptors out-rebounded Embiid, missing players, by 16. Like, that's damning. And the Philadelphia 76ers went, all, went through all they did over the last few years. If they lose to the Raptors... There is going to be hell to pay. What do they they do? Well, they'll blame it on James Harden. That's what they'll do. They'll blame it on James Harden. And they're paying him for how many more years? Just like they blamed it on Ben Simmons last year. Mm -hmm. Right? Let's not forget that. That's what happened last year. There's a lot of pressure on this Philly squad. I, I, I really think that the Raptors are probably going to lose this series. However... I will never underestimate them because the American media repeatedly underestimates the Toronto Raptors and they slap them in the mouth. They slap them in the mouth with a probable rookie of the year in Scotty Barnes. They slap them in the mouth with a coach that won't get near as many votes as the guy in Cleveland, but probably deserves a few more votes Mm -hmm. than the guy in Cleveland. Like, there's a bunch of different stories around this team that shouldn't happen but repeatedly happen. And that's very impressive. Uh, Speaking of the media, did you hear what Shaquille O'Neal had to say about the Raptors-Sixers series? But there is a caveat to this Shaquille O'Neal prediction in the series, isn't there? Yeah, he... uh, (laughs) You want to play the clip and then... Play the clip first, yeah. And then we'll discuss what happened afterwards. I don't know what a kip is. Yeah. Philly's going to have a battle with Toronto in that first. I home, agree man. with you. No way. Yes. Have you have you seen the Raptors? Have you Toronto's seen? Toronto's getting swept. Right now. Oh, 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 oh. Toronto getting swept. Okay. <laughs> so that goes viral. Every Raptor. I retweeted it. Uh, 
I think our account retweeted Everyone it. Everyone did. Everyone retweeted of it. Shaq. So there's a little caveat, right? Yeah, he rescinded it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. When he heard that Matisse Thibault's not going to play because uh, no, because someone got into his ear and told him because he hasn't <laughs> watched the Raptors much this year. Like this is my beef every year with Toronto fans overreacting mm-hmm. to what the American national media says. How many times were they on national TV this Never. year? It's a business. Like this is what people have to understand. Like. American viewers don't want to watch the Toronto Raptors. That's just the way it is. Like, unless you have a player who's transcendent like Vince Carter was, that's when they get on national TV. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these guys don't, don't watch, watch the Raptors. No, no, I'm with you on that. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. They don't watch the Raptors. It's not on national TV. I mean, I think Kenny, when Kenny comes on here, you know, Kenny might watch some Raptors from time to time, gives good answers on the Raptors. But as a whole, I don't think they do. But, like... So, so does Kendrick Perkins because he comes on the show, mm-hmm. right? Like, ask Kendrick Perkins about the Raptors. Ask Kenny Smith about the Raptors because they come on this show a lot yeah. and come on in Canada a lot. They have to know about the Raptors. But the rest of them don't know. Like, they play who he played for with, Shaqu- with uh, Charles Barkley. Do we think he actually knows <laughs> what he's talking about or he's just kind of analyzing the game as he sees it and is one of the best doing it? So just don't take it all too seriously. Uh, one of Shaquille O'Neal's former teams, the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, their season's over. They didn't even make the play-in, but they are rumored to be targeting head coach of the Toronto Raptors, Nick Nurse. Uh, Tim, any comment on this other than be other well, than they, should be. they can call and the Raptors can hang up and that can be it. Yeah, they don't have any picks, which would be compensation if they ended up getting It's nursed. great that they want him. Like, who wouldn't want a head coach from a winning organization? Like, that's what the Raptors have proven. Yeah, and I don't know if, listen, did, did you see Frank Vogel last night? How he got fired before. How he got fired right in the when press the game conference? was over? Yeah. <laughs> like, if Stop. you're Nick Nurse, do you want to be a part of that? No. Like, the culture over there doesn't seem to be very good right now. Yeah. They, for those who didn't see it, Frank Vogel is sitting at the press conference after his final game, which they won with a bunch of the bench basically playing and all of his high-priced superstars nowhere near the floor. Mm -hmm. And they said that there's a report from Woj that you've been fired. And he says, I haven't heard bleep. It's awful. It doesn't doesn't matter how much money you make or whatever, what line of work you're in. That's awful. To not hear from the actual, from your boss. But if you're Nick Nurse, you see that. Yeah. Every coach around the league sees like, that. Do you, want, do you want to be a part of that? No. Like, that culture seems like it's gone to bleep. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, okay, shifting over to something that is good, although it's a bit of an anticlimactic Sunday at the Masters. Scotty Scheffler's lead was never really threatened despite four-putting the 18th green, which was, I, I mean every amateur golfer would do uh, as well. I would probably take about 12 strokes uh, at the end. But Scheffler ended up winning by three for his first career major. Uh, was the weekend a letdown for you? Nah, okay. I know people wanted to see Tiger in the hunt, and they wanted a little bit of a uh, a race down to the wire because yeah. that's when golf's at its best. But we saw greatness. Like, Scotty Scheffler is not Tiger Woods, and I think people need to get that out of their damn head. Like, no one is ever going to be Tiger Woods again. I mean, this guy, apparently his biggest hobby outside of golf is playing board games like his friends made fun of him growing up because he dressed like a golfer in elementary school like golf pants golf shirt to school in third grade like this ain't the Perkins dining never seen before phenom but the run that he's on right now is tiger like 
Like four of six tournaments that he has entered, he has won, including the Masters. Like, that's ridiculous. In fact, you and I talked about it last week, and our boy Jesse, for the kids who don't remember, our boy Jesse last week gave you a winner, winner chicken dinner. Let me remind everybody what my friend Jesse said last week on this show. He is 16 to 1 to win the Masters, which for the top-ranked golfer in the yeah. world and someone coming off of three of wins in two yeah, months. I hear you. And he was pretty good last year at the Masters as well. So uh, if you're looking for, for value, could be there. Cody Jenkins on Twitter. I don't watch golf and had no idea who this guy was a few weeks ago. Watched the segment from at Jesse Rubinoff and decided to put 50 on Scotty to win the Masters. Well done, Cody. Thank you for the free well money at 16 to 1. I mean, it was just staring you in the face, you know. I mean, don't get used to it, but it was staring you in the face. Tiger, uh, Tiger plays 72 holes, which to me is incredible enough. What did you make of what you saw over the weekend? And I know Elliot Friedman came on here on Thursday mm-hmm. and said to you, I'm not sure why you listened to Tim McAuliffe if you've worked with him for that long, but did I save you a little bit of money on betting on Tiger Woods to win this thing? Definitely, yeah. I thought, uh, I don't want to say it was underwhelming because it's hard to have expectations for somebody that hadn't played in that amount of time. Um, I think moving forward, he's already committed to the Open Championship at St. Andrews, which he said afterwards was his, was his favorite golf course. So that's going to give him a little bit more time to ramp up and get healthy. Uh, I think after the first round, you kind of had the idea that it, it wasn't going to happen. And you were just uh, resorted to, to watching greatness and watching Tiger. And he, yes, he's kind of a shell of a former self. He's limping around a little bit, clearly. But just to see him out there on the grounds at Augusta National was every golf fan's dream. And I hope it continues for years to come because it was awesome. Do you think it will? I think it will. I think what he's going to do now is focus on the majors. I think in his well, he mind... Said he's, he said he's not playing. I mean, he's just going to play in the big events. Yeah, That's it. he's probably just going to play the majors. And I think in his mind, he really believes that if, if the right it's the right courses on the schedule, that he can catch Jack. I think that is now what's in his mind. And whether it happens or not, I think he's come to grips with the fact that he's accomplished so much already. But I think he still wants to try because why else would he be playing? There's no other reason other than trying to break the record. Because this is all, I mean, it's terrible to say. This is what he is. Like this walk past 18 Mm -hmm. to the clubhouse is what Tiger is. And... Don't let me say what I'm. Don't let what I'm about to say take away from the fact that Tiger Woods just played 72 holes, and that's incredible enough. Like that was a feat of skill and strength mm-hmm. just to play 72 holes after what he's been through. But the drive that makes Tiger not just great, but a legend, like the elite of the elite of the elite, is the same kind of drive that will make him believe that he can still do it, and he might. He's already defied the odds once. Mm -hmm. But that drive, like I remember, I was a huge fan of Jerry Rice. He is one of my favorite athletes of all time. And for those who don't remember Jerry Rice, he was the best of the best of wide receivers. He was better than anyone that came before him by an extreme margin and better than anyone else that came after him. At the age of 40, he had a 1,000-yard season. 
and everyone was like, oh, my God, his work ethic and what he puts in, legendary work ethic. He works so hard. This is why he's doing this. And then he hung on for two more years, and it was really tough to watch mm-hmm. those two years. Mm-hmm. Golf's a little bit different, but I hope that we don't get in the painful-to-watch Tiger because his drive is so incredibly legendary, it pushes him to hang on too long. Yes. Like, we've seen Tom Watson... You know, make a run at the Open Championship. Phil Phil Mickelson winning at 50. We've seen that, but none of them had a fused spine and rods and bolts in their leg. And I just, there was a bit of me as I watched Tiger go to what was his two worst rounds at Augusta Mm. in rounds three and four of this tournament. I said, like, I hope we don't have to watch him struggle mightily in majors, even though there's a history of old guys in golf still playing. Yes. I'm with you. I mean, if he goes to the Open Championship and finishes in last place, like nobody wants to see that, and I don't think he wants the embarrassment either. So that'll probably be a wrap. But don't see that happening. I don't know. It's Tiger, yeah, it's Tiger. It's that legendary Will. Yeah. What is he without it? Still to come, Will Lou drops by. We'll ask him what he is without basketball. We'll discuss the Nick Nurse Lakers rumors, plus the matchup with the Sixers. Kelly Rudy on Austin Matthews. And the Western Conference playoff pitcher, as well as a bunch of goalie questions. But up next, we head to the Bronx. As the Jays get set to open up a four-game series with the Yankees, Arden Zwelling is in the Bronx. He'll help us tee it up from Yankee Stadium next Monday. Tim and friends, let's go, kids! Drills one, deep left center, gone! What a way to pick up your first base hit as a Blue Jay. It seems like Toronto kind of wants to play Philadelphia. There is a history here, and it goes back to 2019. This is a heavyweight fight right here between two premier teams. Oh, to the races, what do you got? Got Borvietsky up high. I don't know how you give less than five games for that. I mean, I said ten earlier, but I'm saying at least five, maybe even ten. Opening day is always one of the great days on the calendar. Everybody is some kind of excited about what might happen over the next six or seven months. The tying run is at the plate in a game in which the Blue Jays at one point trailed seven to nothing. Driven to right field. It's deep. It's gone. They have come all the way back. This ball's going to get down. The relay to the plate is in time. They want a challenge. They want a challenge. Yeah. After review, the runner is safe. What a way to kick off the season. And Bachette rockets one. Deep left field. Back of the wall. Miller looks up. Line to left center and all the way to the fence. Tapia is on his way in to score. Espinal does it again. Blue Jays win it. Looking for the sweep tomorrow. Chapman drills one. Deep left center. Gone! He is now officially one of the big bats in the Jays lineup. This is a special team, folks. Holy smokes, did he hit that one. Welcome to the club, buddy. What an inning for Texas. Six-run fourth and batting around against the Blue Jays. The Rangers take the final game of the series, so the Blue Jays will head to New York 2-1.
Yeah, opening weekend had a little bit of everything for the Jays. Bats were booming. The pitching, it wasn't ideal. Now they have the Yankee Stadium for a four-game series that gets going tonight. Sportsnet 1, Blue Jays Central starting at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Alec Manoa starts for the Jays in the building where he made a memorable Major League debut. Jamison Tyon counters for the Yankees who are also coming in 2-1. and one. Here's the Jays lineup to face Tyon. It's the same top five we've seen. Springer, Blow, Bow, not Blow. It's different. Vladdy, Teoscar, and Gurriel. Alejandro Kirk bats sixth and will catch Manoa. Matt Chapman hits seventh. Zach Collins will make his Jays debut and DH for this team. Santiago Espinal starts the second bats ninth. And Danny Jansen apparently testing oblique issue. We will get into that with Arden Zwelling, who joins us now from Yankee Stadium. And look at that glorious shot. Arden on the road in Yankee Stadium. Kind of feels good. In the Mecca, baby. It yeah. feels great to not be uh, sitting at my kitchen table staring at a Zoom screen right now eating mini carrots out of like a little <laughs> container I just got from my fridge. It is just so good to be back around baseball. The last two years, man, you don't know what you had until you lose it, right? None of us have really been able to cover this game the way that we should for the last two years. So I'm telling you, I'm so grateful to be back. Well, please don't underestimate the mini carrots, okay? <laughs> it's a great snack. That it's, sugar snap what, peas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, a little cheese. Very Nothing wrong with it. Very healthy. Arden Zwelling yeah. joining oh, me yeah. from Yankee Stadium. So before we get to where they're going, let's talk about where they came from. It just it. I know they lost the last game. I know the way they lost the last game wasn't very good. But it felt like a good vibes weekend for the Jays. I think so. You win two out of three. You're back at. You know, in front of a packed Rogers Center for the first time in, in years, you got your new lights going off, and Jordan <laughs> Romano's got his cool entrance, and you know, you got the new Jumbotron and everything. I think it was a good vibes weekend. Like, you're not going to win every game. They're probably going to lose 70, 75 more times uh, this season. There's going to be a lot of that. So, you know, you take two out of three, the offense shows up, the hitter's clearly ready for the season. I think you look at the way that Jose Brios, Kevin Gosman, Hunjin Ryu perform. Not the starts that they would have liked, but you've got the obvious caveat of a shortened spring training and not quite the same routines that they're used to to get ready for the year. And you just look at the track records of those individuals. I don't think the Blue Jays are worried in the slightest. Even with Hyunjin Ryu, Jesse and I had this conversation. Obviously, small sample size. You know that most pundits are calling this one of, if not the best, starting rotation in all of baseball. They're not dead wrong. They will find a groove. That's why it's 162 games. But for Hyunjin Ryu, is there a little worry in the Jays that last year may have been the start of the decline? Well, he probably is in his decline, yeah. let's be honest. Like, that's the stage of his career he's in. And when the Blue Jays signed him to that four-year deal, they knew they were signing up for some decline. But they're also no longer relying on him to be their ace. Like, remember that Kevin Gosman and Jose Barrios are in this rotation as well. Alec Manoa is going to pitch tonight. He looks like a pretty good young up-and-coming starter. So it's not like the Blue Jays are counting on Ryu to carry their pitching staff like they were in 2020. I think the biggest thing is just the velocity on the fastball and cutter. You'd like it. To 
to be a bit higher than, than it has been. He works with such fine margins considering how soft he throws. And then change of command, like that's a really big one. It's just how is that change of coming out of his hand and is he able to land it on the edges of this right. plate down in the zone? That's so crucial for him and the change up is such a field pitch. I don't know that he had the greatest feel for it on Sunday, but that is something that can come and go throughout a season. So I'm going to wait to see some more from him before uh, you know before we're making any uh, grand proclamations. Okay, so the bats were booming, um, and there are a lot of memorable moments from the weekend. Am I wrong to think that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just hit a 467-foot line drive? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a bomb, and that was a very poor pitch, by the way. That was like an 82-mile-an-hour hanging BP uh, slider, I guess. Not that you ever throw sliders in BP, but that's what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can do. And you think about it, it comes off his bat. Like, it was uh, 117 and a half, close to 118 miles per hour. There's not a lot of guys that can do that against any pitches, especially at the highest level. Like, we're talking about the Stantons of this world and the Pete Alonzos. It's pretty rarefied air that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in when it comes to putting balls in play at that high rate of speed. So just demonstrates the potential, demonstrates what he can do. Pretty good start to the season for him. Uh, pretty good start for a lot of hitters, including Danny Jansen. But now uh, an oblique, what are we hearing? Yeah, he, uh, he hurt his uh, quote-unquote side slash back is what the, the club is saying right now on a swing. It sounds rather oblique-ish, but mm-hmm. nothing official just yet. He's undergoing some testing right now here in New York before the game. I'm sure that includes some imaging. I'm sure the Blue Jays are going to try to get to the bottom of this thing, but it's interesting, right? If Dane Jansen can't go tonight, you know, the Blue Jays have their other two catchers in the lineup currently. Alejandro Kirk is going to be behind the plate. Zach Collins is the DH tonight. So so that handcuffs Charlie Montoyo a little bit if Danny Jansen can't go because it means he can't pitch run for Alejandro Kirk late in the game. Or, you know, he could take Collins out of the DH spot, but then you lose your DH. So maybe you end up with a pitcher hitting at some point or you have to pinch hit from guys on your bench. It's not ideal. So I, I guess it's a baseball season now that somebody's <laughs> yeah, gotten hurt. Yeah. You know, somebody the Blue Jays were counting on. I guess we're officially in it and we'll see. You know, Tyler Heineman is a name to keep an eye on. Um, you know, the Blue Jays have a five-man taxi squad when they're on the road, as all clubs do. And I kind of wonder if he's hiding out at a hotel here in New York right now and maybe could be activated off that taxi squad if, if it comes to that. But that would necessitate a 40-man move and all kinds of maneuvering. Right. So I think we'll see some sort of roster machinations for the game, but nothing official just yet. Uh, Arden Zwelling joining us from New York and the Bronx. And I know you, you joined us from Dunedin, and we were kind of mapping out the way the opening day starter was going to look, and you correctly had Jose Barrios in that spot. But the way it kind of, and listen, I'm not suggesting that Alec Manoa should have gone second or third, but there was a reason why he went fourth, and it's to pitch at Yankee Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, the order matters, but not in like a hierarchical way. Right. The order matters in keeping Hunjin Ryu out of Yankee Stadium and getting Alec Manoa into Yankee Stadium, where he had success last year and against a lineup that he had success against last year. It's crazy when you look back to his debut. It was less than, what, 11, 12 months ago at this point because he debuted in late May, and he was doing so against a tough Yankees lineup in the Mecca, uh, a team that saw him twice during spring trainings. So they knew what he was 
is going to try to do to them. It's his MLB debut. His entire family's there. He was supposed to pitch a day earlier, and then the game got canceled, and it got pushed a day later. So now he's got to sleep on it again, and all the nerves and butterflies and just everything that goes into making your MLB debut. And he came out, walked DJ LeMahieu on four pitches, and then yeah. just went on to shove after that. So it was a pretty special performance from him, and he has some pretty high expectations of himself here in his sophomore campaign. He's going to get it started tonight, and what a place to do it, right? Here at Yankee Stadium, where uh, where he had that special beginning to his uh, to his MLB career last year. Does it feel like Manoa could be a wild card for this team? I mean, he was really, really good last year, but he's still a kid. He's just in his sophomore year, as you mentioned. Does it feel like he might be one of those X factors that could take the Jays from good to great? Well, your second trip through the league is when you sort of learn some things about yourself as a pitcher because now the, the book is out on you, right? And the video is out there and hitters are studying your tendencies. They know better how you like to sequence and set them up, which quadrants of the zone you like to attack, what you like to do against lefties and righties, all those things. So Alec Manoa is going to have to continue adapting. We saw him do that a little bit last season with incorporating that two-seamer a bit more than he had in the past. I mean, the slider is still such a devastating weapon for him but if he can play his change up a little bit more as well, um, again, field pitch, he's not always going to have it, but if he does, it just opens up so many more avenues for him to attack and turn a lineup over one, two, three times that the club's going to let him. So I think that the adjustments will be ongoing. The learning process will be ongoing. Still a young guy, still like overall in the grand totality, rather inexperienced, like not a guy who's been pitching since he was 12. You know, a guy who came to pitching rather late and developed at a really rapid pace out of West Virginia especially with that slider which came along rather late in his development so it's just going to be interesting to track that this year and how the cat and mouse game plays out between uh, Alec Manoa and these MLB lineups. George Springer looked pretty good in uh, the opening weekend and I was I was talking to him before uh, opening day and I had a stat in my notes about uh, the team's record with him in the lineup, they were 18 games over 500 and just two games over 500 without him in the lineup. And as I read the stat, I noticed he looked down at my sheets to see what the numbers were. And the answer was, ah, I don't care about that, I just want to play. But it seemed like last year they were a lot better when he was happy and healthy and playing. He is a difference maker, and it's such a cliche, but he really is. And that, that stat speaks to it, and what we all see with our eyes when he's in the lineup speaks to it. It's a different Blue Jays batting order when he's atop it, setting the tone, seeing pitches, having disciplined plate appearances, fatiguing a starting pitcher. I mean, he really does have a bit of a trickle-down effect, a knock-on effect with the hitters that are after him. You look at him, and you look at his game, you wouldn't say, this is a leadoff hitter, right? Like, that's not like something that you would think when you think about the type of player and approach that he has but he really is a tremendous one and he really does make a big impact on the lineup not to mention his center field defense so you know having fingers crossed for the Blue Jays uh, 162 of George Springer which obviously won't be 162 maybe it'll be 120 in center and 25 at at DH and a bunch of off days mixed in there but let's just say having a healthy George Springer for a full season is going to make a massive difference for this club. Uh, Arden, the sun is shining behind you. Uh, there is a beautiful W.B. Mason uh, famous poster behind you. Enjoy Yankee Stadium, okay, buddy? 
Not a cynical bone in my body <laughs> nice. today, Thanks. Tim. Really good to be with you, buddy. Uh, there is Arden Zwelling from Yankee Stadium. Jays and Yankees first of four starting tonight. And for those wondering the numbers, with Springer in the lineup, 48 and 30. Without Springer in the lineup, 43 and 41. All right, time Ooh. for a break. When we come Ooh. back, it is the plays of the week. We'll try and put a smile on your face just like Arden Zwelling's smile on his face at Yankee Stadium. Okay. Might be a little tougher to do that, but we'll try our damnedest next with the plays of the week. I'm Kelly Rudin. Will Lou. Chill. Please stick around. Sometimes the commercial break conversations are the better than the ones on air. Time now for the plays of the week. We got a graphic and all the P.O.W. stands for the plays of the week. So are you ready for some sweet, juicy pina plays of the week? I don't know what the hell that dude's doing or this dude. Like, what are we doing here? Is that New York to the yeah, core? Yes, it like, is. I don't know what we're doing here either. Wow, what what's a, more what impressive? A hot start to place. This or South Korean figure oh. skater Kim Yi Lim's oh, first pitch. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Was that a triple? I think so. That was a triple. Oh, our figure Semi skating, <laughs> our figure skating oh, camera throw. person said it was a tri- it was a triple. Sebi on grass. The throw was the sneaky best part of that. Yeah, and then threw a strike. Uh, here's some bearded dudes. Charlie Blackman flies out to Justin Turner. Didn't take long for a guy to go in the dugout. Opening weekend. Uh, let's go, Marlins, Giants, Austin Woo. Slater, Chaz Chisholm Jr. Showing a little glove Woo. from. Jazz to Chaz. From Jazz to Chaz. Mike Trout looking to get back to MVP form. Chaz McCormick. A creamly play. Yeah. (laughs) I saw what you did there. I see what you did there. Mariners Twins. Bottom of the ninth. One on Gary Sanchez. A chance to win the game. Bat flip says one thing. But this is when keeping it real goes wrong. So bad. Like, if you hit, like, 280 or 300 and you did that, that's fine. But when you bat, like, 220 and flip the bat... You're not in New York anymore, kid. Rogers Center home opener, Mitch Garver, looking like extra bases from Pina Power to Pina Glove. That was, like, Game 7 of the World Series. (laughs) (laughs) You reacting crazy. The fans was awesome. Cautionary tale here, kids. Hold your beer. Oh, no! That's expensive. Or you'll wear it. (laughs) What? Boom. Oh. <laughs> He's literally wearing it. That's so good. I mean, it's better for the That's story. Tough. That's fine. Uh, okay, this is just cut. You can't wear two opposing jerseys of fierce rivals. What's like, even do? What's the point of this? What are we doing here? Yeah, no, so like, What are we doing here? Original six don't do that. Uh, Trevor Zegris, just like a staple in the plays of the week. He Spinorama. Play, he plays like dudes playing roller hockey. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, a mockery of it. Yeah, that or like he's literally playing NHL 2K or yeah. NHL yes. whatever the hell it is called these days. 22. 2022. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. All right, we saw 22. a lot of nice goals. <laughs> uh, that was Brady Kachuk. That was Austin Matthews. That was ridiculous. Uh, this is Jason Dickinson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason Dickinson. Go on with your bad self. The fake, the talk. Woo. CPL, Edmonton down one, 95th minute. No worries, Toby Warchewski. What? I don't even understand how they do that. I want to ride my bicycle. The physics on bicycle kicks make no sense to me. To the Masters, not a hell of a lot to show from it except for this. 
from Roy McElroy. Now, better the chip or the celebration? Jeff? The celly. The celly. Like, what is this move? Love that. Look at that. Nick Faldo actually ruined this before they even showed it. He said, something just happened. I have goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> and who would have thought the last play of the Lakers season would be Mac McClung? Of course. Of course. Don't sleep on Mac McClung. He's a good well, we, college player. Great high school dunk We can't tank. sleep on him because he went viral in high school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I used to think Obi Toppin was just a guy who could dunk, but did put up some numbers against the Raptors. Six threes. Uh, my script said, no be stopping, Obi Toppin. Mm. I don't know about that one. I was trying to This is Yves Pons. You make the call. Is this a foul? They called it a foul. I don't care. It's crazy. No, that's terrible. Uh, LaMelo Ball through the legs. Alley oop Montrez Harrell off the backboard. Beautiful. How about you win more games? All that to lose in the plan? <laughs> you and I agree on that one. <laughs> hey, come on. You didn't think we'd end the plays of the week without showing you this again. Tied it up at seven. Driven to right field. It's deep. It's gone. Okay, Teoscar is part of the win and the great night, but am I wrong to think that Vladdy's bomb, like 467 feet on a line, crushed? <laughs> that, and they were just talking right before that. Buck and Dan were yeah. talking about how he was just waiting for him to hit one, and then yeah. Yeah. gone. That was like amazing. jaw-dropper. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll visit with Eric Angles in Montreal. Jets and Habs, hometown hockey. Plus, Kelly Rudy. Stops by to discuss Austin Matthews 50 and 50 and maybe some goalie talk with our resident goalie, Kelly Rudy. Tim and friends continue second hour next. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends. Full hour on Sportsnet 360, which includes Will Lou. As we discuss the Nick Nurse to L.A. rumors, plus the Raptors and Sixers matchup. It is set in the postseason Saturday, I believe, 6 p.m. Eastern time. So now 9.30 a.m. for the Raptors in the postseason. They're playing a big market team, so they get that big market slot. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Kelly Rudy will join me shortly. We'll discuss a little hockey. As hometown hockey comes your way and features the Jets and the Canadians. Just one game in the NHL tonight. And you can see it right here on Sportsnet. Now, some thought Carey Price might make a return to the net tonight, but he will not. With more on that, let's head to Montreal and Eric Angles. E, what's the latest with Carey Price and his return? Yeah, it's not going to be tonight, Timmy, as you just mentioned, but the Canadians have four games in six nights. He's been practicing hard. He looks great in practice. It's all a question of how Carey Price feels. He's the one who's in the driver's seat. He is the one who's going to make the decision. Once he does get in there, you hope that he can play a few games and not just one, but it's going to be the ultimate test once he gets into a game to test out that knee. So I think Canadians fans are dying to see him. I wouldn't expect that it would be Wednesday in Columbus that he makes his debut, but if he says he's ready, and I don't think they'll stop him, but You'd like to see it happen here at the Bell Center where you would expect an explosive reaction. Yeah, that, I was just going to follow up with that. Like, what, what would be the scene if they bring Carey Price back at home? Like, I would imagine that's got to be the plan. 
It, it would be extremely emotional, you know, I'm thinking it, I wouldn't put it in the same category as Saku Kuebu coming back and it was just the anniversary of his return from cancer, but he, the emotion will be palpable in the building and I think it'll just be an absolutely huge reaction and it could be pretty lengthy and uh, it's one of the big things to look forward to this year, right? It's been a tough year for the Canadians, it's been a really tough year for Carey Price. We know what happened at the beginning of the year where he went away into the Players Assistance Program and everything he's dealt with his knee and having a have a couple setbacks before physically rehabilitating and getting to this point where he's been practicing regularly, it would just be a big bonus for everybody involved to see him on the ice here at the Bell Centre and give him that kind of reaction. All right, two more quick ones. I know Marty St. Louis said he wasn't talking about his contract, but what do you expect to happen in the offseason with Martin St. Louis? Well, speaking of uh, owning your own decisions, it's going to be Martin St. Louis' decision because Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon absolutely want him to be back here and probably on a long-term deal. And I expect it'll get done. I think Martin St. Louis is really enjoying this job. He's started something that he'd like to see through to completion to when the Canadians are able to be competitive again and contend. They intend on being competitive, obviously, starting next year. And this isn't just a traditional rebuild where they're tearing it all down. And he's been a huge part of turning around the attitude around here and also the players and something to build on to grow with moving forward and I, I just think the guys in management are uh, very hungry to get him signed to a deal and I expect that he'll put pen to paper when the time comes but right now he's on task and focused on these last 10 games. You mentioned a change in attitude. Uh, look at the Winnipeg Jets. I mean obviously being seven points out with nine to play there behind the eight ball to say the least. Did it seem like uh, they had lost some spirit coming into Montreal? You know, it's tough to say. They didn't have a morning skate today. They didn't have any availability. But I'll tell you, obviously, every single game they play is must win. And, you know, I look at them and see a team that it's hard to understand what's gone on in their room and on the ice. Uh, I think they should be a lot better than they've shown this year. They've got depth at certain positions. They've got offensive punch. They've got one of the best goalies in the world, albeit he hasn't looked like that for a fair portion of the season. And I don't really blame that just on him. For whatever reason, it hasn't come together for these guys. It's a big game tonight against a Montreal team that can competes hard against everybody they play against. So I expect it'll be a good hockey game. I miss the organ, but I do appreciate you, Mr. Angles. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. All right, there's Eric Angles in Montreal. And every time we talk to Angles, we seem to get a little bit of the organ, but we got the uh, the radio. Uh, plenty of news from Leafs practice today. Eric Schalgren will start against the Sabres tomorrow. Jack Campbell, not 100%. Now, it's not the rib issue that kept him out recently. Austin Matthews had a maintenance day. Wayne Simmons ill. Jake Muzzin out tomorrow, but the hopeful he'll be back on Thursday. While Andre Kasha has a concussion and is not close to a return. Neither is Rasmus Sandin. Got it good and since you understood, you're probably ahead of me. According to Haley Salvian of The Athletic, the PWHPA voted unanimous, unanimously to end further discussions about collaborating with the PHF. The article states concerns over funding and a lack of a convincing business proposal were the main factors in a decision by the PWHPA. The PHF is currently the only option for professional women's hockey in North America. We'll continue to follow this story. The Jays start a four-game series against the Yankees in the Bronx. We'll have it for you on Sportsnet 1 starting with Blue Jays Central at 6.30 Eastern time. All that music just brings me to a spot. Alec Manoa will look to give the Jays some pitching stability after a rough start to the season. Jameson Tyus, Tyon counters 
for the Yanks. Here's what the Jays lineup will look like. Top five remains the same. Alejandro Kirk catching Manoa batting six. Chapman seventh. Zach Collins will make his Jays debut. Catcher picked up but he will DH and no Danny Jansen. Left side soreness day to day while Santiago Espinal which I love saying starts at second bats ninth. Manoa made his big league debut at Yankee Stadium last season. Here's what Charlie Montoyo thinks about Manoa this year. Same guy that we had the, the 2021. It's, he's actually a confident person to begin with, and that tells you when spring training he wanted to face the Yankees, knowing that they were going to face him a week later, a week and a half later, and that's who he is. And and tell you what, when he takes him on, we have a chance to win, and he's a great teammate. Everybody loves him, and I cannot wait to see him pitch tonight. All right, basketball and the Raptors have the week to prepare for the 76ers in the first round of the playoffs. That series gets underway on Saturday, but rumors swirling today is Shams Charania added to the speculation that the Lakers are targeting Nick Nurse to be their next head coach. Just add fuel to the fire, Frank Vogel fired as expected by the Lakers earlier today. We'll discuss this with Will Liu a little later on. But we're talking hockey right now, and our friend Kelly Rudy joins us from his home in the Calgary area. Kelly, thanks for doing this. I always appreciate you joining. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite again, Tim. Looking forward to our chat. Yes. Uh, l- listen, let's start with the goalie on goalies, and the Carey Price situation is real interesting to some. Um, I had heard, why bother? You know, why don't you just sit out the rest of the season and come back fresh next year? But, like... The drive of an athlete to be great or as good as Carey Price is is probably the same drive that wants to play this year, isn't it, Kelly? 100%. And what I don't think people truly recognize until you've been in that situation, when you're out with injury, uh, you don't feel a part of the group, right? And so I think that he probably desperately wants to be around the guys. And when you're injured, uh, you don't see them as often. You're usually rehabbing on your own. It's kind of like... a. I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it's a little bit lonely and you feel uh, guilty that you're not around the guys. That's what you're paid to do, right? To be in the, be on the ice and be around the guys and helping the organization. And so when you're not in that situation, it's really bothersome uh, mentally. And so I'm really hoping for him that he can get back in the lineup and uh, be with his teammates and feel a part of it. And, uh, and hopefully that'll help him starting uh, next year again. And then he'll, he'll have that all this, behind him sort of uh, in the rear view uh, mirror, so to speak. That's kind of corny to say, but, you know, you, you have an idea what I mean. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, and I was just talking to Eric Engels about this. If that return comes at home in Montreal, who do this kind of thing properly, like, it could be a real emotional return for him, the fans, and the franchise. 100%. And, you know, he is a franchise player, and he's awfully proud of uh, playing in Montreal. And, I, you know, I, I know Kerry a little bit away from the rink. I used to go to uh, Kelowna's off-season uh, home and uh, help out with uh, a hockey school that he or had or this uh, clinic, a day-long clinic. And it was just super heartwarming to see how uh, moved he was by all the kids that he was helping and so on. And so this is a guy that really deserves a lot of respect. And uh, I just want to see him back on the ice where He's happy. All right, let's hammer down on the goalies then. Uh, have you seen something different in Mike Smith over the last little while, or is this just health? Well, one thing when you think about Mike Smith, 
he lays it on the line every single night. So in my opinion, uh, he's, he's a tiny bit too aggressive still. Um, he's played really well lately. There's no question about that. Health has been a big problem for him the last little while. But I'd like to see him just relax just a tiny bit. You know, he's a guy that, uh, like I said, he plays fully on emotion, and that's perfectly fine. But there are other times where I think it just wears you out, and it's draining. And he's he's in his 40s now, so that's awfully difficult to continue to play uh, with that that emotional level, right? And and the reason I kind of know that is that's how I play. Right. I was fully invested every single game emotionally, and it takes its toll on you. And so it's hard to sort of ramp it back a little bit, but I still think he's got to just be a little bit calmer in the net and wait for plays to happen. How different is this team under Jay Woodcroft, or has it just been a refocus here? No, I think they've been different. I think there are ways that you can see that they check a little bit different. And I I use the word check because that's the current term. It's not to, you no longer say defending. Um, And so checking can come in many different ways and it could be on the Ford check. It can be all sorts of different ways. So, and and also I do think that they just look like they're having more fun again. And uh, that's not on Tippett. That's just how the process goes uh, on, on occasion. And I think he's done a really nice job. By the way, I didn't get to see him on Apple after hours, but I really like the guy, like Woodcroft. Like I, I well, by the way, that pass that we're seeing, that <laughs> might be one of the best passes I've ever seen from a goaltender. But anyways, uh, it was incredible. That, and and you can tell by the reaction of McDavid, by the way, too, right? Come on. Yeah. Come on. I'm watching the play and I see the great <laughs> save by Smith on Brent Burns, and I'm thinking, okay, the play's over. And no, there's not a goalie in the world, I think, that would see that pass developing and also be able to put that pass in that area on the backhand just out of reach of Brent Burns. That was phenomenal. I'll never get tired of watching that one. But getting back to uh, Woodcroft, I mean, if you've ever watched his pressers in the morning, uh, he's just really articulate. And and I hope that's the way that this league is going, hiring guys like this that can really express themselves and help people like us that are in the media. Right. Um, What about the Flames? I mean, Daryl Sutter is always entertaining for me. And I know for a little while there he was hammering home uh, that what on what they need to be to be successful in the postseason. Uh, they've played a little bit better over the last little while. Was some of that a refocus too? I mean, there's obviously going to be you know peaks and valleys in a season, but this team looks like it's really built for the playoffs. Oh, they are. They're, they're everything that you need. Uh, and Noah Hannafin just had his first ever four-point game uh, on Saturday. Everybody's uh, contributing. Trevor Lewis, uh, a lot of talk around here, or here about how he's helped out this team. You know, he's such a durable player. Could play wing or center now that they have some players out. And this team is great top to bottom. They don't have any weaknesses. The only reason why they struggled about a week ago before they went on this road trip, and Rick Ball brought it up to me. Your friend, you know Rick Ball yep. very well. He mentioned to me in the broadcast booth after their last home game, this team needs to get out on the road because they look stale. And that was an accurate description of the Flames. I think they had way too many home games in a row. 
and uh, they needed to get away from the uh, comforts of the Saddle Dome and get back out on the road where it can be a little bit harder, and they were refocused again. They went 3-0 and in California, which, to my surprise, they'd never done before. They went 2-0-1 in California before, but never swept, and then, uh, of course, they had the great game in Seattle. I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow in Seattle, and, and just everybody's playing amazingly well. Lindholm might be the sleeper around the league, right? Like yeah. He definitely has to be in the running for the Selkie. And besides that, not only is he great defensively, he's great offensively and one of my favorite players to watch. And, uh, I mean, that's saying something because there's some pretty tremendous players on this team. All right, we've rolled around here a little bit. We went from Montreal to Edmonton to Calgary. The talk around these parts, Kelly, and you've been in Toronto enough to know this, is the Hart Trophy conversation. Who do you have in the million-dollar question for the Hart Trophy right now? That's so tough. I'm going to say I'm, I'm not going to nail it down to one uh, person, no but problem. I'm going to do it to two, even though they're, in my estimation, five or six or seven. I'm going to go with Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. And I, I hope uh, it's a real long shot. I uh, Austin Matthews, I think, will be on pace now. On the weekend, it was 65. I think it might have bumped up since he had two on Saturday, 66. But it's a long shot. But I'm wondering if there's a chance, a slight chance, he might get to 70. That'd be amazing. I think it's the last time we had a 70-goal score. It was 92-93 when Tamo Solani and Alex McGillney both had 76. Now, Matthews isn't going to get there this year, but I kind of think next year he's going to be well into the 70s. Just a phenomenal player, right? It's just crazy. Yeah, you look at the 60s uh, most recently, and those are some of the best scorers we've ever seen ever play this game. What makes Matthews uh, special in his ability to score goals, in your mind? Uh, Well, first of all, the deceptive release, the power of that shot, and I think how he studies the goaltenders. And he has a really good idea what they're uh, trying to accomplish and how they try and play that position. And then, basically, in the end, I think he just goes on instinct and like all great players that's really what it uh, boils down to you've got to have a ton of skill but in the very end it just boils down to uh instinct and how you feel the situation is uh, uh working out in front of you and what your eyes are seeing and then just let it happen it, it's been phenomenal to watch this guy right and by the way 50 and 50 even though it wasn't from the start of the season that's one of the greatest accomplishments we'll ever see again uh and it's so rarely done that uh, he should be applauded for that 50 and 50 without a doubt um we heard news from practice today about jack campbell uh picking up another nagging injury um if i were a leaf fan that would be a tad bit concerning given where we are in the season Yes. Uh, I just heard it when uh, you did your intro, and so I had no idea that uh, there was a concern there. Um, I'm hoping he gets, uh, you know, feeling better. It's just been an interesting ride watching Jack Campbell, right? For the first two months, he's phenomenal. You could argue three months, and then uh, it goes south. And we've talked about this extensively, how hard he is on himself. I'm really cheering for him. I hope that he finds his game. I kind of thought when he came back, from the rib injury that he was looking a lot better. Um, And, you know, for a guy that's gone through so much, uh, you know, on and off the ice, this is an easy guy to cheer for, right? I just, 
I think that uh, we as fans and as media, we forget about the personal side. And so uh, I don't know Jack Campbell, but he's one of the guys that I'm, I'm really cheering for. And I hope that he finds all the success in the world, uh, not just down this final stretch, but in the playoffs, because he deserves it. He's earned it, right? He's, he's had a tough go to get here. If, if you're the Leafs, are you worried about what happens uh, in and around you going into the playoffs? Is there a preferred matchup? I know the fan base is, are, I don't want the Bruins. I don't want Tampa. Like, either way, it's going to be a tough matchup. Either way, it's a tough matchup. And beyond that, I would just, and when I'm looking at the Leafs, they're a 100-point team. Just, I know it's a cliche again, but just worry about your own game, right? Who cares about who you're going to play? You should, with a team like the Leafs, they should feel so much confidence in their own game. It doesn't matter who they play. Listen, they are a terrific team. I've watched them uh, a ton, of course, on Saturday nights for hockey night, but I've watched them, I think, twice live. And each and every time I've left the building going, that's a fantastic hockey team. And personally, I said that last year, even though they lost to Montreal in the first round, I like this team, and I probably wouldn't have said that three or four years ago. Mm. But the team that they put out there right now and the way they play, their commitment to the overall game, I I really, really like. Uh, I like this team, Kelly. Thank you for doing this. Always appreciate you dropping by. Uh, I know it's a busy schedule for you. My pleasure. Thanks, Tim. Take care, my friend. You too. There is uh, Kelly Rudy in Calgary. He'll be back with the... uh, Flames on the road in Seattle tomorrow. Rubinoff, you live in Toronto. I do. People are fixated with who the Leafs are going to match up against. And it feels to me like both those teams, and I know this is sacrilegious to say to Leaf fans right now, but both those teams aren't what they used to be. Like Can't Jeremy Swayman is not Jeremy Swayman is not too Rask. And Tampa is the defending two-time champs, and you never underestimate the heart of a champion. But it's not the same team that you saw a year ago when they pulled Kucherov out of the LTIR and had one of the greatest third lines that we've ever seen in a postseason before. Like, that entire third line is gone. I I don't think it matters who the Leafs play for their fan base. I just think there's going to be trepidation no matter what. In the first round, like win four games in the first right. round, regardless of who you play. I, th- I do think that there is some level of trauma uh, facing the Boston Bruins and going into Boston. But that's how you get over it. I honestly think the Leafs should, like, if you were a Leaf fan, I honestly think you want Boston. Allmark and Swayman are not Tuka Rask. Like, this is a different team. They've lost a lot. I know Marshawn's still there. I know Bergeron's still there. Pasternak's still there. I know Pasternak's still there. Beyond that, like, there's a lot of guys that aren't still there, including Zidane Chara. I think maybe Leaf fans think that they can beat Tampa at their own game in terms of beat them offensively, run and gun. It'll be a little bit more of a wide-open series than with Boston. And you take your chances with a team like that. I know they have a world-class goaltender. They're still a great team. But I think if we were to do a poll, I think Tampa would probably come out ahead. I think that's insanity. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send out the poll now. (laughs) Uh, More hockey after the break. We're getting you set for Rogers hometown hockey. Just one game in the NHL tonight. And you can see it right here on Sportsnet as Tim and Friends continues. 
Tim McCallum, Jesse Rubinoff, Will Luke on up. We're talking Raptors also coming your way on Sportsnet 1, Blue Jay Central on Sportsnet Hockey Central. Got it good and since you understood, Jesse Rubinoff and I were talking about the Leafs' potential matchup in the postseason and what would scare Leaf fans more. I suggested it should be the Tampa Bay Lightning. We put it on a poll. What happened? I, I'm I'm going to let it marinate for a little bit here, just because uh, it's not trending. In yeah, the right, it's very it's not, very quick. It's very quick. It's not trending in the right direction. Small sample me. size. Yeah, no, it doesn't look good for me early, oh, so I'm okay. just going to let it sit for like a couple minutes here. Uh, I have a couple other things I want to get to first. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> someone uh, wrote in today, uh, Warren, and says, uh, "Hey Tim and Jesse, any chance of you guys wishing both Kevin Biggio and myself a happy birthday today? I think I speak for Kevin when I say all I want is a Jays win. Thanks, fellas. So a uh, happy birthday to uh, Warren." And to Kevin Biggio. I don't know if we do, like, congratulations on this, or happy birthdays on the show, but we just did. So, do you want to join in the party? No. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Gourmet Eater says, uh, to, to our conversation a little bit earlier, we were happy talking birthday, about Warren. great right. closer entrances. And uh, How do you fall for the give me a happy birthday show? Every picture. Like, wouldn't you do that for your booby before you? Like, what are you doing here? I just wants to get on the show, Warren. So, all I right. figure, why not? Uh, every pitcher needs an entrance. Uh, please fill in all those boring moments with something fun and then a gif of the uh, Undertaker. Oh, I want That would be awesome. I'm telling you, the Undertaker bell ringing at Rogers Center and or broken glass from Stone Cold Steve Austin's oh, would so entrance would be absolutely amazing for any Blue Jays pitcher to say, hey guys, hook me up with this. No doubt. It uh, looks like friend of the show. If you enter Sandman, I'm going to get mad. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do that. That's blasphemous. Uh, friend of the show, Marley Rivera, looks like she's down at Yankee Stadium today. And check out the bat that Vladdy Guerrero was using in BP. Like, why not use that in the game? Is there a rule that you can't use that in the game that I'm not aware know. of? I don't know of that rule. I would I... love if Vladdy would use that bat. I saw um, the league that the... Uh, what's the bananas? They're in the, oh, in Savannah the, Bananas. Sa- the, the Savannah best. Bananas. Great follow. Yeah, I saw a dude come out with a flaming bat playing against the Savannah Unbelievable. Bananas. Unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's illegal. Yeah. Last year, uh, one, of the, one of the guys walked out with a caddy and a golf bag and took right. out a golf club. It's just so good. Uh, the Lakers are having their availability today because they stink. Uh, and are not in the play-in. Mark Medina uh, tweets out this. LeBron James on one of its goals next season. I want to get to the free throw line. I want to learn how to trick the refs. Okay? So what I did is I went to, oh, that's this season's, the, the active all-time free throw attempts in, NBA, <laughs> in the NBA currently, LeBron James at 10,673. So it looks like he's uh, done a pretty adequate job of tricking the refs throughout his entire career. Yeah, but James Harden may be the... I mean, he's lost that ability. I think the timing on this is wrong for LeBron James. By the way, shout out Lou Will at 10 on that list. Shout out Lou Will, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, not Will Lou, but Lou not Will. Will, Will. Will Lou's joining us in a second. And then uh, Russell Westbrook, who also had his media availability, on Frank Vogel. I'm not sure what his issue was with me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Maybe that you didn't fit on that team, that you couldn't hit shots, and that when they ask you to stop turning over the ball, you just stop passing the so ball. So good. Oh. Like, come like, why on, are these man. Like, what are we doing to be here? Suitors for you Russell make, Westbrook. Like, what, why? I, I hate that Westbrook does this whole like "woe is me" stuff when he makes over. Like, I get it. It can be a tough. Gig, it can be a tough living, but you make over $40 million a year to play basketball. Some uh, of it is going to be tough. 
Like, if you make over $40 million a year, it should be written into the contract that some of it might be a little tough to do. Agreed. And I just refreshed, and I was wrong. We asked Leaf fans, who would you rather face in the playoffs? 72.7% say Bruins. So Tim was right on that one, and they want to exercise the demons of the Bruins. I just think that that's a better matchup. You're There's no Vasilevsky. Like, You're, just that alone. Goaltending's huge. That's, yeah. That's Swayman and Allmark are not Tuka Rask. All right. Time to send it to Rogers, Rogers Hometown Hockey on Sportsnet. Get Rogers right, McCallum. <laughs> it's followed by Jets and Habs. As for us, we continue on Sportsnet 360. A little Raptors talk with Will Lou. Not Lou Will, but Will Lou. Will the Lakers tempt Nick Nurse? To, nah, that's all garbage, right? I know the Sixers are a good matchup for the Raptors. We'll discuss in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. The Bruins. Careful what you wish for there. The city of brotherly love awaits. The Toronto Raptors headed to the postseason once again. The Raptors are a team that's exceeded a lot of expectations. It seems like Toronto kind of wants to play. Uh, Philadelphia, if they get that matchup, they're not ducking no smoke. How about these Sixers, baby? Joel Embiid is going to be the best player in this series. Oh, my goodness. Joel Embiid. There is a history here. And then it goes back to 2019. For the win! This is a heavyweight fight right here between two premier teams. Those Philly fans and Raptor fans, let's go! Will Liu joining me in studio from the Raptor Show, uh, happily named with Will Liu. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great now that I'm seeing that clip again. <laughs> I've seen it probably hundreds of times, and I'm not tired of it. It seems like whenever they meet in the playoffs, it comes down to a very memorable shot. It does, yeah. Um, my favorite thing actually learning this year is that flights from Philadelphia entering Pearson have to pass a mural of that shot. Oh, really? Yes, that's nice. right, at the airport. So that's the Sixers, awesome. Sixers will be seeing that uh, both in their nightmares and also literally at the airport. Uh, I got a very Will Lou answer to my, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, in studio during the commercial, and you said, I've been watching three hours of tape. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what, what did you see in the three hours Home of tape uh, besides uh, Kawhi's shot? Against the Sixers in Game 7. I mean, look, listen. um, When you're looking at the regular season, obviously not all the tape is relevant. And in this case, the first game, Embiid and Pascal didn't play. Those are the two most important players. Throw that game right out. The next game, the Raptors played with, um, you know, Tremont Waters, Daniel Otoru. Yeah, this was COVID times, yeah. Malachi wasn't starting. Utah was starting. (laughs) Throw that game out. Last two games, that's the ones that are interesting for me, where the Raptors won both times. Once with their defense holding Philadelphia to 88 points, and then once with their offense, where they were able to score, I think, 119. And I think it's really interesting because it's going to be a, a very tactical series. The Raptors obviously have a lot on their hands with guarding Joel Embiid. James Harden, uh, he looks very physically limited, and I think the big takeaway from watching the last two games is that somehow he has more turnovers than field goals in the two times he's played the Raptors as the Sixer. Wow. So you're not as worried about him, but still, you're going to have to scheme against that team. And Philly is dangerous. Let's be real. Philly is dangerous, but um, they're a team that feels like less than the sum of their parts. It, it, that's, that's a great way to describe them because like, I look at it on paper, and we all know that games aren't played on paper. They're played by little men in our television sets. Um, but 
The Raptors have no business beating any of the three teams that they would face in this first round, whether it be Boston, whether it had been Milwaukee, whether it had been Philadelphia. But they also had no business being fifth in the East. Like, I just, if they beat the Sixers in this series, like, that's damning on the entire process. Yes. And Embiid, and I know they'll blame it on Harden, but it'll be on Embiid as well. Well, I mean, if you look at it from Philly's perspective, that fan base feels like success is overdue for them. If you look at the Raptors, they literally built a championship team, beat the Sixers along the way. Now they've rebuilt, and they're in a series now with Philadelphia. They beat them again. (laughs) I think there will be some serious changes starting with Doc Rivers um, at the coaching position there. But, I mean, look, listen, I I think the Raptors have shown that they can compete with them. I think Nick Nurse is going to be really key in this series. You've got to be very creative in how you approach guarding Joel Embiid. Um, you know, the Raptors don't have a true center, quote unquote, but they do have six guys in the rotation who are six foot nine with seven foot wingspans. And I think all six of those guys will probably be on Embiid at some point. So, is that like from watching the tape? Is that what you because what I remember from those games not watching the tape is multiple defenders, it wasn't yeah. just one guy. Nick Nurse threw a bunch of different guys at him. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you really ultimately come down to it, um, I'm not totally sure how much Ken Birch is going to be factoring in. To the series, obviously OG and Fred were not available for these two Sixers games. So uh, when they return to the lineup, someone's going to get bumped out. But I think Precious is probably your best bet guarding Joel Embiid. Um, I think as much as possible, if you can limit Embiid sort of just static face-up catching the ball around the free throw line, that's when the Raptors can really load up and send help. I think the times where the Sixers look most dangerous is when they really move the ball around and James Harden is attacking and Tyrese Maxey is a very nice third option who can really get downhill. And they do have a number of three-point shooters. Um, but I think, generally speaking, when the Sixers' offense kind of stops, when it's James Harden isoing, when it's Embiid isoing, that's when the Raptors can really, really do damage and, and limit their offense. Do you know, like, I mean, I was just looking at his last eight games. and James Harden's last eight games were terrible. Uh, okay. He's shooting in the 30s. He's not doing James Harden-like things. Like, he is the type of dude that could turn it on for a series like this. But why the hell has he not had the kind of success that you would expect joining a team that's pretty damn good? You know, he says his hamstring is all good. But I, I do look at him like he's a lot less explosive than before. Um, when you watch the tape, there's like two or three times that he's ISOed against Thad Young or against Ken Birch. All due respect to those guys, those are matchups that James Harden and the MVP version of James Harden will just torch. And he couldn't really get past them. He had to settle for the step-back jumpers. He had to settle for contested runners in the lane. And... Um, if he's not physically at his peak, it's too much for Embiid to hold on for the whole series, let alone for multiple series. Let's be real. The Sixers are supposed to be a team that's contending, maybe not for the title, but at least maybe to win the East. And if Harden is not at least an adequate number two, I don't know, Embiid gets gassed too as yeah. well. We've seen yeah. that a lot of times. His, yeah. his numbers will come down because he's asked to carry the team defensively, carrying them in rebounding, carry them in scoring. And the only rest he really has is at the free throw line, which he will get to quite a bit. And that's probably going to be the big deciding factor is how much are the Sixers going to be going to the free throw line. Okay, so give me, I was going to say give me some X factors, but it sounds like free throw line is uh, one, of those, one of those X factors. And you just took my question away from me. So give me one for the Raptors then. Yeah, I think for the Raptors, the X factor is um, how much Fred's knee is going to be feeling better. Because I think with Pascal, he's actually had really good success. Against the Sixers this year, offensively, he had 26, 28, and then he had a 37-point triple-double. So I think he's going to be okay. 
Um, but who's that secondary scorer for the Raptors? It should be Fred. But uh, post-All-Star break, he has not been himself. The knee has been bothering him. The Raptors are basically going to rest him for like 11 straight days. So hopefully he's feeling better. I think he's a huge part of this. And you wonder if to get to this fifth seed, uh, Fred's knee was the collateral damage um, that Nick Nurse had to kind of keep playing him, especially in those lean times. So let's talk about Nick Nurse for a second. What what was your immediate reaction to the rumors out there that the Lakers were interested in Nick Nurse? It's just annoyance because I think the Raptors are this very unique franchise where they have to worry about player free agency, GM free agency, and now coaching free agency. No one's even heard of coaching free agency or GM free agency, but you hear Masai rumors, you hear Nick rumors. I think this is a very one-sided interest from the Lakers. I think Nick is signed to Clutch Sports. The Lakers are essentially team clutch. Right. So they're going to try to go after their guy. Um, now, I think the Raptors, they obviously have a bigger thing to worry about immediately with the playoff run. But for Nick, he's under contract for two more years. He's one of the best paid coaches in the league. He's happy. He's got really good synergy between the front office and the players. He's got the Team Canada thing going for him. He's got a lot of love here in the city. I don't really see him being that tempted, quite frankly, um, especially for a Laker team that um, – I don't know. Would you sign up to Coach no, Russell Westbrook? I, we were just saying that. And Westbrook and, like, Vogel last night going uh-huh. to the podium and having them tell him that Woj is reporting that he's gone. Like, yeah. that's not a culture I'd want to be a part of right now. No. And, and also, the funny thing with the Lakers is they're, they're kind of broke as well. I don't know. That, that team doesn't pay a lot of money for their coaches, their executives, and all that stuff. And for, for Nick, I think the situation here in Toronto is probably better for him. Obviously, there's always going to be temptation to go to the Lakers, right? They're the, the Lakers. But the case for that job really just ends there. It's the Lakers, but everything else is kind of a downgrade. It just feels like they're like this is one of those things, and it happened with Masai with Washington, where a team in shambles just tells a reporter, "Here's who we're interested in," yeah. to appear as though they're doing due diligence or still have that. Kind. Like I feel like this is part of this story: is that someone was told something. They went out with it because they were told it, but it doesn't mean that there's actually uh, a way, a means to an end. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, if you really dig into the connections here, the one common theme is LeBron's represented by Clutch, Anthony Davis is Clutch, Nick Nurse is Clutch, and also Shams is also Clutch. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a little convenient. But in any case, I I don't anticipate Nick leaving. It is annoying to deal with, though, admittedly. But I think think the Raptor fans are now, like, used to this. I mean, you had Nick in this situation. You got Masai. There were some quiet rumors about, you know, Bobby Webster and the Bulls. You got all the players. It's just, it's annoying. But, I mean, I guess it's flattery as well, you know, like. It's better that they're interested rather than they're not interested. Right, right. It means that you got a good team and a good culture and a good franchise. What's the other one or two series that are grabbing your eye? Um, I know. I don't. Are you into the playoff, uh, the playing games? Is something there grabbing your eye? Uh, not totally. I mean, look. I, I think for me, I want to see Brooklyn get through just because I think Brooklyn in that seven-two matchup against Boston. That might be the only team that can really throw a huge scare into the Celtics. The way they like to guard. They like to switch a lot of matchups, and they like to keep guys in front one-on-one without sending a lot of help. The team that you really can't guard that way against is Brooklyn because if you're guarding KD and Kyrie one-on-one, you're probably going to get lit up. Um, So I'm curious to see how that goes. There's obviously the Kyrie angle there as well. Um, You know, in terms of the West, um, 
you know, honestly, all those teams really could probably not factor too much into the playoff picture. When you think about Phoenix, they've got like 60-plus wins. They're going to roll over whichever team. Memphis is probably going to do the same thing. So, um, you know, the play-in is more for me just to see how far Brooklyn can get, and hopefully they get that seventh seed and play Boston. Are you down with the play-in? I wasn't when the Raptors were in it. Right. But now that they're not, I'm like, yeah, it's extra little bit of rest. The crazy the thing is, is Minnesota, yeah. like, listen, it just finished six, and you don't have to uh, bitch and moan about this, but, like, Minnesota's ten games ahead yeah. of, like, the next, for, like, they could get screwed in all this, right? Like, you're ten games up on nine and ten. I think they're 12 games up on ten, which was the Spurs. Like, you think the NBA tinkers with this a little bit? Maybe. It's hard to sort of um, decide from year to year how it's going to go. But, yeah, I mean, this is a bit of an exceptional situation, I agree. I mean, look, listen, the Timberwolves have had a winning season for the second time in 17 years. (laughs) Second time. All right, so Raptors, Sixers, give me a prediction before you go. Or give me an idea of what you think is going to happen. Right now, my prediction is Raptors in seven. Yeah. I mean, look, Raptors, Sixers, they got to go to seven games. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. Hey, thanks for stopping by and doing this. Of course, of course. Uh, if you do basketball right, subscribe, listen to. You guys are on YouTube now, too, right? Yes. YouTube, Will Lou, The Raptors Show. Uh, thank you for this. Thank you. Uh, Will Lou here. Jesse Rubinoff takes over with Last Call next. And our tip of the cap on a Monday. I'm Tim and Fretz. Monday, Tim the Cap goes to Stephanie Labe, my keeper crush who played the final game of her career on Friday as a part of the Canadian Women's Celebration Tour. Labe was subbed off at the start of the second half in Canada's 2-0 win over Nigeria in Vancouver. After the final whistle, Canadian players gathered on the field to honor Labe, who made 86 appearances in the end for the national team, including over half, 44 clean sheets. Celebration tour wraps up tonight. Another match against Nigeria at Starlight Stadium on Vancouver Island. All right, time now for last call. And Jesse Rubinoff. Ruby, take your reins, buddy. The poll still very much rather play the Bruins. I thought I'd refresh and get a little lucky, but... You want to explain it for those who are just joining it's not us? Not looking good. It's not looking good for me. Yeah, we tweeted at a poll asking uh, Leaf fans who they would rather play, either the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Boston Bruins. I thought Leaf fans would say uh, Tampa. Tim thought it was Boston. And evidently, people have spoken, and it is Boston, resounding 74%. Um, speaking of Toronto teams, the Toronto Blue Jays, with a flurry of roster moves, uh, just breaking in the last little bit. Anthony Kay has been recalled from AAA and will be active for tonight's game. Tyler Hahnemann is selected to Major League. Roster will be active tonight as well, so that's yet another catcher, and that is because Danny Jansen has been placed on the 10-day injured list, something that we addressed earlier in the show, talking with Arden Zwelling. Tiller Sacedo, option to AAA, Josh Palacios, uh, DFA'd. So the roster moves coming fast and furious. Still Not a lot of surprise. No. You know, like you needed a new arm because the bullpen had been used up by the first three games. And then once you heard about the Jansen injury, as Arden Zwelling said, if you're DHing one of your catchers and you need another catcher uh, on, in the lineup. So that's exactly what they did. None of it really surprising and baseball's underway because we have 
slight moves. Slight moves every day. That we have to update. Every day. By the way, if you're looking for Blue Jay Central, it is available on Sportsnet One. It's all in the family, so if you want to flick over there, we won't be too upset. Love it. Uh, Okay, going to hockey, the Pittsburgh Penguins' Evgeny Malkin is scheduled to have a hearing this evening with the NHL Department of Player Safety for his cross-check on the Predators' Mark Borowiecki on Sunday. So you know what that means, Tim? Slash and cross-check. It's time to play Canada's (laughs) favorite game show. How many games? Uh, end of the season, this one's easier. Go ahead. What, what do you think? Say? I was going to say I find it really funny that every time that plays, I hear my own voice somewhere in there. I remember the day we all got together and voiced that little Oh, piece. can we roll it again? Let me hear if I can pick out. Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, Jesse's voice. voice. Um, one more time. Because we have to hear Canada's Jesse's favorite voice. game show. How many games? I hear a lot of Mark Sheldon now. Yeah. Also, yeah, and I hear Kevin Mickey in there too. <laughs> yeah. Was Kevin Mickey there too? I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, how many games for Pam Malkin? Uh, four to five. Really? Yeah, I think uh, four to five will be the number here, and uh, I don't have a big problem with it. Either Why way. is it more than what Matthews got? Because uh, he got him in the face. Yeah, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, not not the side of the head. He got him right in the in the face. Oof. Um, Not I, great. I, I, we are like in this results. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. You know, maybe like he's spitting out chiclets and he's spitting out blood and he slashed them too. And maybe it is too. Maybe they look at that and say that's around the same as Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. So give him two. I think it's a four or five. I also think that the NHL doesn't protect their superstars, and every once in a while, their superstars got to protect themselves. Like I got, I honestly. What Borowiecki did was basically nothing, but he was being a pain in the ass. And every once in a while, the stars have to do that because the game does not protect them anymore the way they used to. And listen, I know he went too far. I think he should be spending, and I got no problem with Kenny Reed is clapping. What's the, why would he be like, clapping on like a five-game suspension? I said four or five games. I yeah. that pissed you off. Oh, all right. Protect oh, themselves. Part, he, all right. He missed the beginning part of your answer. No, maybe he agrees with both. Like, yeah, he should be suspended. I was yeah. scared there for a second. That was Good an aggressive door over. Can he reach it? like, what's going on here? Uh, okay, 2021 number one overall pick. Owen Power will make his NHL debut tomorrow when the Sabres visit the Leafs. The Mississauga native practiced with his teammates today after joining them in Tampa over the weekend. And he's excited about making his debut at the rink where he grew up attending games. Extremely special. I think um, anyone's NHL debut is is a really special moment. But to be able to have it um, in my hometown with all my family here, I think just makes it that much better. Do you have the power? Uh, are you excited for Power's debut? You gotta sing that. You got the power. <laughs> that's pretty good. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Appreciate that. But I think that's a thing now. Is that I think me? Yeah. It's got to be a thing. Yeah. Right. You put a little emphasis on it. it. I'll take it. Owen Power is real deal. Like from what I have seen, and listen, granted, I haven't seen a bleep load of the guy, but when I saw him at the World Championships, it yeah, changed my yeah. opinion on what this guy was doing. He was basically the last defenseman on that team and then by the time they had made that complete roundabout from looking like they were going to bow out of the tournament to winning the whole damn thing he was on the ice in a three-on-three overtime Mm -hmm. like this guy uh, could be a top five under 23 defenseman right now it's going to take a while that's a bad team that he's joining 
and I understand that, but I think this guy's got a lot of potential to be a real big time, like I'm talking high level defenseman in the NHL. Hopefully the Sabres can turn around. It's fun when the Sabres are good. Doesn't happen all that often in recent history, but it is fun when they're good. It is fun when that building. Yeah. Because it is one of the real NHL markets in For sure. the United States of America, and it needs to be that way. No doubt. Uh, as we talked about earlier, the Lakers held their end-of-season media availability today after finishing the season out of the playoffs and firing head coach Frank Vogel. There's plenty of blame to go around, but Russell Westbrook isn't taking responsibility for the team's struggles. Instead, he pointed the finger at the fans, what? the media, huh? and his former coach. What? Um, I would probably say the only thing that uh, was a problem or issue was with just the reception I got from people here and um, for any reason, whatever that may be, um, you know, whether it's the fans or whatever, um, wasn't so great, but, you know, that's not up to me to judge or any of any sort. When I first got here, um, I just felt that I never was given a fair chance um, just to be who I needed to be to be able to help this team. I just never felt I had a fair chance on the basketball front on any front. I never had an issue with any of my coaches before as much as people may assume. I've never had an issue with any coach, any players, any staff members, anybody, actually, if we're keeping it honest. I'm not sure what his issue was with me, or I'm not sure why, but um, I can't really give you an answer why things we never really connected. Maybe, you know, um, that's something that he has to answer, but I never, you know, from the get-go, was feeling like I was having to, like, try to, prove myself to him and my capabilities and what I've been able to do for this game. It's unfortunate, but it's really not kind of out of my hands. This is literally exactly what you and Will Lou were talking about last block. Yeah, there's two things here, though, at play, and I'm not going to have enough time to do any of them. (laughs) But Russell Westbrook lacks self-awareness. And he always has. Even when he was doing the triple doubles where people were rebounding for him, like, that was kind of ridiculous on the entire league. And everyone played along with it because no one had seen anything like that before. And they were just eating it up with a knife and fork. So he he lacks self-awareness. But he's not the first athlete to lack self-awareness. But I also know that what's happening right now in L.A. is he's being scapegoated for this. And Frank Vogel's being scapegoated for this. And that's not fair either. Like, you had to know this wasn't a good fit. It's on AD and LeBron, but they can't put it on AD and LeBron because AD and LeBron are going to be back there next year. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... I'm, I'm not a huge... Like, there's no guy that I am more confused by in his career than Russell Westbrook because he has this great athletic ability, but he has never been able to turn it from really good to great even playing with some of the best players in the game. He played with LeBron, he played with Harden, and he played with Durant, and he never won. Like he makes Think over, about that. He makes over $40 million a year, and really he shouldn't be in the NBA next year based on his performance. Like he should be overseas. That's how bad he was. I mean, you mean because if someone was paying him $10 million, he should be in the NBA? Yes, but the $40 million contract, what, it's, why would anybody want him on their team? Yeah, as an expiring deal, and that's it. Yeah. And that's where he's at. It's crazy. A reminder, Rogerstown, Rogers Homie. How many times did I Rogers. screw up Rogers Hometown Hockey? <laughs> it's a good omen. Rogers Hometown Hockey is on Sportsnet. Getting mad at myself here.
Yankees and Jays about to get going on Sportsnet 1. Monday Night Raw coming up in a bit on Sportsnet 360. Thanks for watching. I'll practice. We'll come back tomorrow. <laughs>